We've been studying the different types of heart in the Bible. This afternoon we want to talk about a perfect heart versus a whorish heart. Perfect heart versus a whorish heart. David starts out in Psalm 101, in verse 1 he says, I will sing of mercy and judgment, unto thee, O God, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. And then he goes on in the end of that verse, he says, Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Well, that's kind of interesting. We think about a perfect heart. We think, wow, I'd like to have a perfect heart. How can I do that? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit this afternoon. Have that kind of a heart for the Lord. So several things we, we notice. First of all, let's the purpose of a perfect heart. Why do we need a perfect heart? Why do we want a perfect heart? Why does God want us to have a perfect heart? And he says in 2 Chronicles chapter, 10, chapter 16 and verse 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of him whose heart is perfect towards him. I think all of us would say that's the kind of heart we want, and we want that kind of a result in our life. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of who have a heart that is perfect toward him. His eyes are running to and fro. He's looking. He's watching. He sees everything we do. He knows everything we do. And he's looking for those who show their heart to be perfect towards him. And he shows himself strong towards that person. So the purpose of a perfect is to show the mighty power of God, especially in the lives of leaders. Now, when we have in our nation that don't even acknowledge God, it's hard to get them to show a perfect heart, isn't it? And we need to have those kind of leaders. But there are other areas besides our nation. In our home, we need to be those kind as dads, as husbands, in, in our places of work, in, in our community. God wants to show His mighty power. We want to see His mighty power. Oftentimes when I pray for the services, I pray for the Lord to help us see His mighty power. See God work in a mighty way. We have a great and powerful and mighty God, and He wants to work in and through our lives. So the purpose is that we might see God's mighty power working strongly in our lives. Secondly, notice the definition of a perfect heart. What does it mean then to have a perfect heart? This phrase, perfect heart, 16 times in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word for perfect is shalom. There's, there's actually two words that are used. One is shalom, which means complete or whole. And the second one is the word tom, which literally means completeness, innocency, integrity. So a perfect heart, it's not somebody who is sinlessly perfect, but completely innocent integrity. That's the kind of heart God wants us to have. David used the Tom here in Psalm 1 when he talked about the heart that he would have. It's a heart that would seek for the Lord. And this perfect heart is primarily used in the Bible to speak of kings or those who are in authority. Perfect heart, again, doesn't mean a heart that is without flaws or without failure or without problems. David had a perfect heart. The Bible says that he did, and yet David sinned grievously against the Lord. 
Also, the Bible talks about a king by the name of Asa. And it says Asa had a perfect heart all his days. And yet Asa failed to remove places in the nation of Israel. And he took treasures out of the house of God and gave them to the king of Syria. When he was rebuked for his error, he imprisoned the prophet and oppressed the people of God. Neither did he turn to the Lord in his illness, and yet the Bible still says of him that he had a perfect heart. That's interesting, isn't it? In 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 14, it says, But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was perfect with the Lord days. Now, we'll see in a little bit why that was so, why that could be said in such a way. Thirdly, notice, what is it that defiles a perfect heart? What defiles a perfect heart? The opposite of a perfect heart is a whorish heart. A whorish heart. It is a heart that goes after other gods. Now, if you think about that for a minute, it helps us to be un- to understand. There were some of these men in the Old Testament who had some personal failures, but they didn't go after false gods. And so God still spoke of them as having a perfect heart. Both David and Asa had failures in their personal lives, even sometimes in their leadership. And yet they were consistent in removing the idols from their own hearts. Solomon failed in this area. You remember Solomon, God had warned them about all of the wives and and actually not to have the multiple wives. And Solomon failed in this area. And the Bible says that he began to worship the idols of his many wives. Therefore, his heart went after the gods of other nations. He turned from the true and living God to worship the false gods. We see that taking place again in America today. Many of the false gods of other nations have been brought into our country and people are turning from the true and living God to worship and follow after the false gods. We even have temples built in satanic temples and satanic worship that's in our nation. And God gave clear instructions not to make any league with the nations. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 15, it says, Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go a-whoring after their gods, and do sacrifice unto their gods, and one call, and thou eat his sacrifice. I want you to notice that God condemned the practice of setting up sacrifices but he condemned the practice of setting up idols in our heart, in our own heart. Now, how do we do that? How do we set up idols in our own heart? We do that by looking to someone or something to do for us what only God can do. Whenever we look to something else to do for us what only God can do, it has become an idol in our life. For example... If we to provide peace and security, be an idol. Because only God can give us peace and security. God said to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 43, He said, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? Poetry. Most of us, when we think of it, we think I wouldn't have a statue of some false god in my home. I remember when Nikki and I were, I think it was when we were in Thailand, and we went even into to some of the different places you would go. They would 
oftentimes security walls and fences around various businesses. And you could go through the entrance gate, and then you often this one particular place I'm thinking of, they had a little, a little um, I don't know if it's an altar, they had a little false god that would come and make sacrifices. They had right inside the gates. And oftentimes you could tell and share the gospel, and they would say, yes, we believe that, and they would, they would accept what you're saying, but they weren't going to get rid of the idols. They would just have their idol up there and then put your, your God up there along with it and say, we'll just worship him like we do one of the gods. And the Bible says, thou shalt have no other God before thee. So we have a statue. I remember we went to one of the, the temples of Buddha. And when we were going into the temple, I don't know, Vicki, if you remember how many statues of Buddha, a whole bunch of them lined all the way around as you went up way to go in. They had their hands out. People would leave food, and sometimes they'd leave pieces of money, and they would leave things there for these false, for, for Buddha, for false God. And I, I see that and I think, foolish. And it is foolish. That statue there is stone. I don't know if somebody came at nighttime and took all that stuff. Uh, if I was a caretaker, caretaker in that temple, I'd probably come after dark and pick up the money. I'd leave the food for somebody else, but I'd take the money or whatever. Uh, I don't know what happened to that stuff, but they were offering stuff to their idols. Most of us would say, I would never do that. Amen? But we'll set up idols in our heart. We'll let other things take the place of God, fulfill things in our life that only God can do. And they become idols in our life. In the New Testament, we're warned about idolatry in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 13 and 14. Most of us know verse 13, but we forget about verse 14. Verse 13 says, There hath no temptation but taken such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Now listen to verse 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Remember the context. He's talking about no temptation. They're common to man. God makes a way of escape. He'll not give us more than what we can bear. And he says, flee from idolatry. That verse primarily is saying to us, God will help us so that we don't set up idols in our heart and take our affairs away from the true and the living God. It's vital that anyone in leadership have a perfect heart before God. Otherwise, God will not hear the prayers of that person nor bless the work of their hands. Instead, God will raise up enemies and armies to come against His people. And I'm afraid that's where we're headed in America. Because we do not have leaders who have a perfect heart before the Lord. There are many things that have become idols in the heart of leadership and they have no for God for the most part, or for the things of God. And God may well raise up enemies and armies to come against His people. How did God evaluate the hearts of these kings in the Old Testament? Some of them, He said, had a perfect heart. Some did not. How, how did He evaluate them? Let's look at several of them. First of all, David was one. God said of David in Acts chapter 13 and verse 22, Listen to what he said of David. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. 
You want to be a man or a woman after God's own heart? You know how to do it? Fulfill his what? Will. Fulfill, it, fulfill his will. Do what God wants you to do. And God said, David's a man after my heart because he fulfills my will. In Psalm 101, in, in verse number 2, David purposed to do that. Look at what he says in our text in verse number 2. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my what? House with a what? Perfect heart. You know where the heart starts? In our house. In our house. Do we walk with a perfect heart? In our home, do we have a heart for God? David said, I'll behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Do we behave ourselves wisely? Do we behave ourselves wisely anywhere? But especially we ought to in our house. Amen. This chapter, David gives us many ways we can have a perfect heart. And and, and he starts out in, in talking about having the right kind of attitude. He said in verse 1, I'll sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. The right kind of attitude. If you have a good attitude, a right attitude, you're going to have joy in your heart and you're going to want to sing. Amen? Now, not all, all of us can sing like uh, uh, Brad and Max or, or Mike and Nick. We still make a joyful noise, can't we? There's something about being in fellowship with God and he puts a song in our heart. David said he hath put a new song in my heart, even praise to our God. God puts that song when our attitude is right. You know what? If we can keep our attitude right, everything else will be okay, won't it? What's our attitude? A right attitude. Then he talked about right character in verse number two. He said, I'll behave myself wisely in a perfect way. I will, uh, oh, when wilt thou me? I'll walk within my house with a perfect heart. He had right character. He did right. Did what he was supposed to do. And then he talked about having a right outlook in verse three. He said, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. A lot of times we have the wrong attitude and wrong character because we've been looking at the wrong things. I will no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the works of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. He said, I'm not going to put any wicked thing before mine eyes. And he had the right stand. He said, it shall cleave to me. I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to do that. Look at what verse 7 says. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that I shall not tarry in my sight. He took a stand. Sometimes we have to take a stand about what we'll allow in our house and what will allow us to watch and look at and so forth. The right stand. He talked about having the right surrender. In verse 4, he said a froward heart, a froward heart perverse or pervert, uh, pervert, one who, who uh, leads another person astray. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. So he had a right surrender. He surrendered to do the right things. And then he had right friends. He said, I'm not going to set any wicked person before me. Verse 6, mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land that dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. Have the right kind of friends. Young people, make sure you have the right friends. Dads and moms, make sure you have the right friends. Hang around the right kind of people. People that are going to build you up. Not people that will pull you out and down. He said he'd have the right speech. In verse number 5, Whoso privately, privily or privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. He's going to have the right speech. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart, 
will not I suffer? Do you have the right kind of speech in your home? Do you have the right attitude, the right spirit, the right words? Boy, I'll tell you, I don't know. All my years of growing up, I, I don't know of any time I ever heard a, a curse word used in my home. My dad and mom's home, my home. A foul, foul language. You, you know, some people, when they get saved, God has to give them a new vocabulary, doesn't he? And sometimes as Christians, if we're constantly listening, hearing, sometimes people hear it at work all the time and it just comes out because you're hearing it all the time. Or sometimes you're around people that talk that way. Those are not the kind of people we need to be around. We need to hear speech and say right things. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Just don't do it. And I'll be honest with you. I was listening to a preacher the other day. And in his message... This is just my opinion. In his message, he took God's name in vain. I've heard preachers take God's name, use God's name, even in a message, in the wrong way. And we have to guard ourselves. I don't want to take God's name in vain. I want to use it properly and carefully. I want to have the right kind of speech. He talked about, back in verse number four, a froward heart will depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. That word wicked there means moral depravity. It literally, the word there is poneros, from which we get our word pornography. God doesn't make himself at home in a society that thinks faith and filth can coexist. He's not at home in a home that thinks faith and filth can coexist. So we have to be careful what we watch and what we say. And then he also had right separation in he says, I will early destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. Cut off all the wicked in our nation, but we can cut them off as far as our homes, not invite them into our homes. And, I, and most of us aren't going to invite people, but we do again through the television and through the, the games that our kids play and all sorts of things that we can bring in things that we just have to guard our homes. Amen? And be careful about it. So David, he said, I will walk within my house in a perfect heart. And then look at Solomon. Solomon, David challenged Solomon, his son, to have a perfect heart. He said in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, in verse number 9, it says, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. The Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imagination thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee, but if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. God said if we seek him, he will be found. If we forsake him, he'll cast us off forever. And then Solomon, David challenged Solomon, then Solomon challenged the, na challenged the nation of Israel. In 1 Kings eight sixty one. he says, let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God to walk in his statues and to keep his commandments as at this day. Let your heart for be perfect. After Solomon's words turned his heart towards other gods, 1 Kings 11 verse 4 says, His heart is not perfect with the Lord his God. Solomon turned from a perfect heart to not perfect. And then the Bible speaks of a king by the name of Abijah. Abijah in 1 Kings 15.3 it says, And he walked in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. His heart was 
Do we have a perfect heart? And then Asa, we mentioned him before in 1 Kings 15, 14. The high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was, was perfect with the Lord all his days. He didn't remove some of the high places, but he still kept his heart perfect toward God. He himself did not turn towards the idols and the first gods, false gods. Amaziah in 2 Chronicles 25.2, it says, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. That's interesting. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Here was a man that was doing what was right, but evidently in his heart, he had let some idols come in and take over in his own heart. You know, sometimes, listen to me carefully, Sometimes we can put on all outward show, but inside there's not a perfect heart towards the Lord. We can have a good front. They say, what's the saying? You can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all the time. Fool some of the people some of the time, some of the people all the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. God knows your heart, doesn't he? And I hope every one of us say, I want my heart to be perfect toward the Lord. So how can we have a perfect heart? How do we do that? How do we have that? First of all, love God's law. Love His law. Love His word. David said in Psalm 119, verse 97, or verse, yeah, 119, verse 97, he said, Oh, how love I thy law. It is meditation all the day. Do we meditate on God's word? It's one of the reasons why we I encourage you to memorize and meditate and think about. Every night to go to bed and quote to the Lord a verse that I've been meditating on and memorizing for that night. And, and that's the last thing. And you know, sometimes I'll wake up during the night and I'll think of that verse and I'll go over that verse in my mind. And when I wake up first in the morning, I try to say that verse again and quote it back and think about it. Why? Because I want God's Word to be the meditation of my heart. If we delight in it and meditate in it day and night, the Bible says we will prosper in whatever we do. You know the verses in Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, but whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Where does that prosperity come from? Meditating on the Word of God. How do I have a pure heart, a perfect heart? By loving the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof, correction, instruction, and so forth. And the end of that says that the man of God may be perfect. Perfect. Truly furnished unto all good works. A perfect heart that God wants to have. So first of all, love God. Secondly, realize heart is mandated by Scripture. It's mandated by the Word of God. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 48, Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. That's command to us. Be ye. He commands us to be not sinlessly perfect. James wrote in James 1, 4, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Peter gave his counsel in 1 Peter 5.10. He said, but the, word of God, the, but, the, but the God of all grace, after that, he, that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle, settle you. I talked about this in Sunday school a little bit this morning. What's God doing in my life? 
What's going on in all the things in my life? Sometimes I have to go through suffering. Sometimes I have to go through difficult things. God here in 1 Peter, the word of God, the God of all grace, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect. He is perfecting us. He is maturing us. He is conforming us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, whom I believe wrote the book of Hebrews, said in Hebrews 13, 20 and 21, he said, now the God of peace make you perfect in every good work to do His will, work that which is well-pleasing in His sight. God, the God of peace, make you perfect in every good work to do His will. 2 Corinthians 10, Paul said, Finally, brethren, guess what the next two words are? Be perfect. Finally, brethren, be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And love and peace shall be with you. How do we perfect heart. We love the Word of God and we understand it's required, it's mandated by Scripture that I meditate on God and I build it into my heart and life. In other words, I keep God, I keep God's Word at the center of my heart. I don't let other things take the place of that. You know, we can say, well, I just don't have enough time to read my Bible. I don't have time to spend meditating. I don't have time to memorize but you know what? We can sit down and just like that, we can spend two or three hours watching a baseball game or a football game. Amen? Or we can go do something else that we enjoy doing. There's a lot of other things that we do, and we can do them. We can sit down and watch a television program for two or three hours. Think nothing of it, but to take five minutes or ten minutes or 15 minutes. Or so I have time. You and I, and I say I because I include myself, we can find time to do whatever we really want to do, can't we? How important is it to have a perfect heart? You can find time to meditate on God's Word. And then discover and exercise your spiritual gift. The believer's spiritual gift is to be used continually. We're to use our spiritual gift. Ephesians 4, verses 12 and 13 says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, edifying of the body of Christ, we all come in the unity of the faith and of knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. How do we become like Jesus? Meditating, building the Word into our hearts and lives, loving His Word, loving His law. David said, I delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate day and night. Do we get up in the morning and say, boy, I can't wait to get my Bible and start reading it? Or do we say, man, I've got to get this in before I go because I've got to mark off my heart that I've read this chapters, or I've got to get up and I, I can't. There are times when it's dry and it's hard for us, but generally speaking, there ought to be an excitement of getting into God and studying and memorizing and learning. Finally, there's some personal questions to ask ourselves. Have you accepted your position in Christ? The Bible says we are kings and priests. In Revelation 1.6, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. You know, we think about the president, we think about senators, we think about representatives and all that. God says we're kings and priests in his society, in his economy, and we need to act like it. Second, 
want God to do a mighty work through your life? Do you want God to do something mighty in your life? If you do, we come back to have a perfect heart. Again, I'm not saying sinlessly perfect. None of us are that. But to not allow idols, not become, not allow idolatry, let something take the place in my life of God. Let something looking to it for peace, security, whatever it is that really only God can provide for us becomes an idol. Thirdly, have you purposed to maintain a perfect heart before? Have you purposed? Is it your desire? Is it your goal in your life? And last, are there any idols that are set up in your heart? Is there anything in your heart that has become an idol? You may say, not that I know of. Is there anything that you have allowed to put God out of your place? Out of its place? I remember years ago, we had a family in our church and their son, and I've mentioned this before, but their son played football. They thought someday he'd be an NFL player, and most people who think that don't ever get anywhere close to that, but he was a good football player. But on Sunday morning, this is way back, and a few of you might remember, but not many of you. On Sunday, about quarter till 12 on Sunday morning, this young man and his dad and mom would get up, and they would leave the service so that he could get to his football game in time. Now, let me say, first of all, I was glad they came to church. They could have just gone to the football game and skipped church. I was glad they came to church. But I sat down with them. They were going through some struggles, and I said, listen, you are teaching your son that that football game is more important than worshiping God. And that football game had become their idol. Of course, they didn't agree with me. They didn't like what I said. They were, they were more spiritual. Some people just said, well, I won't, I won't go to church, church or whatever over something. They were more spiritual than that. They stayed and, and were here for years. But they, they moved away, moved to Atlanta. And uh, one day they said, Preacher, they called me and said, Preacher, you, you were right. We taught our son that the football game was more important than God. It became his idol. I wonder how many things have become more important than God in our life. What's the place of prayer meeting? What takes the place of Sunday night? What takes the place of Sunday morning? You know, it's easy. And I know sometimes there are, there are legitimate things. I understand that. Some people have jobs they have to work on Sunday. Thank God we have policemen that take care of things on Sunday. Thank God we have nurses who are at the hospital. We wouldn't want everybody in the hospital to say, okay, all the doctors and nurses are leaving. They're going to church. You all just... Spend for yourself for a while. No. There's some things that have to be done. I understand that. But when it becomes an idol is when we use it as our excuse not to come to church and not to worship the Lord. And so we have to be careful that we don't let anything become an idol. It could just be the books you're reading. It could be young people, the games that you're playing. You don't have time to read your Bible because you're addicted to I know people that sit up half the night playing their video games or their electronic games. They're addicted to them. They become idols. Are there any idols that are set up in your heart? Would you ask the Lord, Lord, would you ask me if there's anything in my life 
And I think all of you would agree, I hope you'd agree, I don't want anything in my life that takes His place. Amen? There is something I want Him to show me I can deal with. Right. Let's pray together. Father, help us not to have a whorish heart that goes after false idols, false gods. Lord, sometimes we even think we put You first, but we've made it as God into our own conception and idea of what God is like and the God in our mind is not really the true God would you help us Lord help us to want you to do mighty works through our life to use us in a mighty way the purpose to maintain a perfect heart and would you show us any idols need to deal with, that we need to bring, in a sense, bring the altar to the altar and give it to you. Give us a perfect heart and not a whorish heart, we pray in Jesus' name.